following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. We are in our last, uh, second to last message from Timothy this morning. It's good to be in the house of God, yes? Thanks so much for coming. I know we said it a couple of times, but Bethany and I, we just love community gospel, all it stands for, the people who are a part of it, all the kids, the way God is working, past, present, and future. He's been so good to this church, yeah? What an awesome opportunity to be a part of that. We talked a little bit uh, to some people in the congregational meeting, but something to think about. Christmas, a great opportunity for you to invite somebody to church. Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Easter, big, big holiday seasons where people are willing to come and participate in what we have going on here. And what a better opportunity for them to hear the gospel, yeah? So whoever's there in your life, or you got somebody who's maybe on the fence, you know how people come to church when you ask? Say, hey, you want to come to church with me on Sunday? I'll even let you sit with me. That'd be nice. Maybe take them out for lunch. That'd be nice, too. Okay? First Timothy chapter 6, enough about that. Everybody wants to know what the will of God is. What's God's will? What's his will for my life? Sometimes we wish he would audibly speak to us his will, right? That'd be nice. Leave a voicemail on my cell phone. Jordan, this is what I want you to do today. That'd be kind of nice. Or maybe some of you want him to shoot you a text message. Just let you know if what you're doing is good or bad, right? Am I doing okay? What's going on here? What is the will of God? Timothy's a young guy. I can relate. He's preaching to a congregation of mostly young people. Or young at heart. And Paul's giving him all this instruction on what he's supposed to do. He says, Timothy, this is essentially God's will. And he shows him how the church should be set up. And he shows him what elders look like and deacons look like. And he shows him what it looks like in the community for them to be lighthouses and to communicate the gospel and what our congregational responsibility is. And in chapter 6, he just brings it all down to a real practical level. And Paul is going to tell Timothy to tell his congregation, this is how you know the will of God. Before we get into the text, the will of God first and foremost is that you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ alone is Lord. He says, because Jesus didn't come in John chapter 3 verse 17 to condemn the world, but Jesus came into the world to save such a sinner like me and you. How do we accept Christ? We confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he alone is Lord and that his blood was sufficient on the cross for our sins. It covers our sins and transgressions. 
And then he says, after that, there's some things you should know. There's some things you need to know because like the kids who were up here, who we dedicated to the Lord this morning, when you accept Christ as your savior, you're called an infant in the faith and you have to grow and you have to mature. And it's a painful process because as infants, we need help. All right. He says, and you are susceptible as an infant to attacks. And those of you who have older siblings, you know this well, don't you? You're susceptible to attacks as an infant. I had an older sister. She terrorized me. You're susceptible. But when you're on God's side, trusting in Christ, pursuing holiness, being obedient to his will, you know exactly what to do. Look what he says. He says, Timothy, chapter 6, verse 11. But as for you, what's he calling? Oh, man of, oh, woman of God, oh, man of God. Read it that way this morning. Flee these things, those youthful things, right? He says you have to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. You should pause right there because what he's saying to a young Timothy is, Timothy, you need to pursue holiness. First and foremost, what is the will of God? The will of God is that you would accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and then you would pursue him with everything that you've got. I watched the parents up here who dedicated their children. They love their kids. Brian and Julia are in our small group. They love their kids. You can see it. They take care of them. They protect them. They're in a pursuit of taking care of their kids. I know that firsthand. And I know that about the other parents, too, that are in our church. They pursue guardianship, making sure that their kids are taken care of. And then so it is with God the Father. When he calls us children, he says, because I have made you children, what I want you to do is I want you to pursue me. Stay in my arms. Stay holy. What's holiness? Holiness means set apart. Stay different from the rest of the world. Yeah, sure, the devil's going to come and he's going to try to do some things, but stay holy. Stay underneath my care. Well, how do we do that? Well, if you want to stay holy or in the pursuit of God, he gives you six things right there. Clear as day. What's the first one? He says you are to be righteous. Righteousness is the pursuit of godly integrity. Integrity means we do that in the day which we do in the dark. Do you do that? Are you the same in the day as you are in the dark? Or vice versa. You are to be men and women of integrity. With correct thinking and feeling. With correct action. What's Jesus say about integrity? What's Jesus say about righteousness? Well, Jesus says, blessed are you who thirst for righteousness. And blessed are you who hunger and run after godliness to be set apart from the rest of the world. What is the will of the Father? What's what's God going to shoot at me today? He says that you would wake up in the morning and have on your mind, how can I honor the Lord this day? That's what he says. Most of the times I wake up and say, what is on my phone? Where's my Facebook? What is going on in my Instagram account? Who texted me in the middle of the night? 
maybe I should pursue putting my phone farther away. And if Bethany was here, she would say amen. And run after the things of God instead of the things of the world. It's a daily struggle. It doesn't come easy. Just pursue righteousness. Blessed are you who do that, who wake up with that intent. Because when you do that, you are godly. The righteous man or woman respects God and he gives him proper reverence. I told some of you I have a sister. If she did, she beat me up all the time. She was, she was ruthless. She's not listening to this, so we can say whatever we want. But my sister, I'll never forget. Is she, she, she was somebody who, who kind of took a little bit different route. And my sister says, Jordan, the one thing that the American church has forgot is the reverence or awe of God. That's number one on her list. Good for her. She has a reverence for God. She has a fear of Him, a proper fear of Him. That He could wipe her out at any moment. I knew what that was like because I grew up with her. Praise the Lord that my parents protected me. But anyway, you who are righteous, you who are godly. And then he says, this takes a massive amount of faith. Let me give you all of them at one shot, why not? It takes faith to do these things. I can't do those on my own. The righteous or godly man or woman places his faith in Jesus. We talked about that. But then we continue to put our faith in Christ. Not that I would lose the gift that God has given to me. But that I would continue to have dependence. That I live my life in such a way that I am dependent upon God. Oh, that God would give me a faith. That rules and provides and gives me confidence to flee from evil. Do you believe that God allows you to flee from evil because of his provision? Do you have faith that that is possible? I think about that. Sometimes I think I do, but I mean, in reality, I don't give God enough faith that he deserves. Those of you who are pursuing holiness to be like God will have righteousness and godliness and faith. You'll also have love. Now, the righteous and godly man or woman knows that love is not only what he has been given because of the faith he placed in Christ, but that which he gives to others as well. We love people so they will understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they will look at our lives. And we talked about it with the parents who are up here. Your kids will turn and they will look at you. And they will ask you, why should I follow Jesus Christ? Why give my life to him? And our answer should be, because God has been steadfast in my life. He has never failed. He has never disappointed. He has never come up short. There is no injustice in We have example after example after example of how God has been steadfast in our life. And so we should be for him. Somebody said, you should take a jar and you should put it when the new year comes up on your counter. I don't know why it's a counter. I don't know why I can't put it in my bathroom, but it has to go on the counter. And you should put a dollar every single like week and you would have, or every day, you have $365 at the end of the year. It's not a 
whole lot, but cool, good thinking. Somebody commented underneath of them, you should put a blessing of God in that jar every single day. And then when the next year comes, you would have 365 ways to see how God has been steadfast in your life. That's a good, uh, now there's a New Year's resolution I could get behind. Look at all the ways that God has been steadfast in your life. Use them as examples when other people ask why you believe what you believe. But you, O oh man or woman of God, flee those things of your youth and look at the things that are going to mature you. So he says with gentleness, which is the attitude of being submissive. Submissive to what? How do I pursue holiness? Glad you asked. You are to be righteous, a man or a woman of integrity. Thinking about godliness. Leaning in dependency. Loving your husband and your wife and your kids and your work and all those things. We talked about that last week. Which will produce in you gentleness and steadfastness. I love what D.L. Moody said. He said, a holy life will make a deep impression. Lighthouses blow no horns, they just shine. What about you? Do you blow your horn or do you shine? But where are we as a church? Interesting. The application is, is simple. That list that Paul gives Timothy to flee the things of the youth, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, Gentleness are a list that is compared to the fruit of the Spirit. You can find that in Galatians 5. Make a note of that in your notes. He also gives a qualification for the elders, 1 Timothy chapter 3. In areas which we should be disciplining ourselves to become like Christ or holy. Right? Which one do you need to work on? Which one is it? Think about those things. Pursue holiness. What is God's will in my life? That I would pursue holiness. Be disciplined, man and woman. And then he says after that, fight the good fight of the faith. Go back to Timothy. Fight the good fight. Okay, so when you pursue holiness, here's what happens. Anytime you go to pursue something that is worth anything, here comes the opposition. Amen? Man, is it frustrating. We talked about that at least last week. We won't talk about that. Take hold then, when these things come, of the eternal life to which you were called, and about which you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He says, in other words, when you get pressed to do the opposite of what God wants you to do, you must fight for the gospel, which is truth for your everyday life. Fighting the good fight was a language of athletic contestants. It was also referring to military conflict. In other words, Paul's telling Timothy, in the pursuit of holiness, there's always going to be a fight. If you signed up, if you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart in Jesus Christ is Lord, if you thought everything was going to be sunshine and roses, you were lied to. Because it's not. Now, there are days when it is nice, but there are days when it is a struggle. And Paul tells Timothy, you give your best effort. You're like a trained athlete. You're like a soldier in the struggle against holiness or for holiness. And when you do these things and people ask you, why do you do these things? What's the deal? You say, it's because the gospel that is within me. What is the gospel? That Christ died and Christ rose again according to the, anyone? 
That's 1 Timothy 1. And I believe those things. He says you lean on Christ's power. Look what it says, Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. You should always carry that with you, the death of Jesus, that it's here. Why? Why do I carry the gospel? So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested or made known. That's what we talk about when we talk about becoming the hands and feet of Jesus. For we who live are always being given over to death for Christ's sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mouth or in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life is in you. That is the culmination of the gospel. I don't know if any of you know this, but if you go to Acts 7, don't, you don't have to go there now. There's a man there, his name's Stephen. This is exactly what's going on in Stephen's life. None of you have experienced this. Hopefully none of you ever will. They look at Stephen, and his life is different. Why is his life different? Because he has all the traits that are listed above in 1 Timothy. And they want to know, why are you like that? What is going on? How do you know the will of God and we don't? And he gives this great speech. Memorize it. You get to go to BBS for free if you memorize it. He says, what is it about you? And he he makes this big, huge summary of the Old Testament. And you know what they do to him? They pick up rocks and they throw it at him and they stone him until he dies. Hold on a second, Jesus. That's not very nice. He says, it's not. But Stephen's fight was for the gospel. And on that day, I'm sure men questioned what they were doing. Part of pursuing holiness means that there will always be a fight in your life. I don't know where the fight is right now. I don't know if it's with your marriage. I don't know if it's with your kids. I don't know if it's with your job. I don't know if it's with your friendships. I don't know where your fight is. But I do know the more we pursue holiness, the more the fight comes to the forefront. And the more the fight comes to the forefront, the more the gospel should be proclaimed. Because the more the gospel is proclaimed, the more power Christ has over the situation. And we remove ourselves from the equation and we let him come and rise to the top. And we say, yes, I do have weaknesses in those areas. And man, I'm struggling in some of those areas. But I know the gospel that lives in me is enough. And Christ will be glorified and not myself. Oh, look at what else it says in Philippians chapter 1. This is whatever happens, good or bad. I must conduct myself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which I have received. Then whatever I come and see, and this is Paul talking, I want to hear about those things in your absence. Man, it's fun talking to you guys when I hear a story about how God has been glorified in your life. That's, that's awesome. Now the gospel's been made known. It's, it's so cool to receive an email or a text message or even somebody that calls me and says, Jordan, you're not going to believe what happened at work. I invited this guy to church. He said, yes, what do I do now? I said, you bring him. All right, share the gospel with somebody. And they wanted to know more. What do I do? <laughs> he said, share more about how Christ has worked in you. Some of us can't communicate the gospel because we haven't let it make a deep impact in our life. Now look what Paul says. I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened 
in any way by those who oppose you. That you would have confidence in Christ. That's awesome. That you would have confidence in Christ. What is God's will for my life? He wants me to pursue holiness, to run to Him, to glorify Him in all that I think, say, and do. He wants me to fight the good fight when those battles come of those people who will tell me that this isn't worth it. And then he says something else in verse 13. I love this passage of scripture. I charge you. Now, Paul, when he says he charge you, he's kind of getting blunt here. In the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who is testimony before Pontius Pilate made a good confession. Christ made a good confession. So should we. What was Christ's confession? We'll get there. The thing about it was, if it was Christ, or if it was Paul, or if it was James, all of which are biblical characters, or if it was Timothy, or whoever it was, or John, all of them confessed Christ constantly, not themselves. In other words, they gave him the glory. What is God's will for my life? God's will for my life is, I confess and believe him, then I would run to him, pursue holiness. After I pursue holiness, what he wants me to do is he wants me to fight the good fight. We already talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And then when those good fights come and the victories are made, I will confess Christ's name, not my own. It's, it's funny. See, what we think is when we get the victory, we go, yeah, I did that. You know? Paul says, no, you did nothing. <laughs> And look, at, he points Timothy back to the confession. Let's talk about that for just a second. In the confession that Christ gave before Pontius Pilate, John 18, 28, just for those of you who want a reference. He shows what he meant by a good confession. Jesus himself said in that confession that he was the long-awaited king of Israel, the Messiah, the one who would come. Isaiah 53. It's a good confession because all of the hopes of salvation are built upon that confession. I have come to save mankind. Timothy was to speak that confession without spot or blame in the pursuit of holiness. Always pointing back to the gospel in the good fight which preserved him or kept him in the faith and the church in a good proper light. You are representations of two things in the communities that you are consistently in. You're a representation of Jesus Christ first, and secondly, the church. Some people have a bad view of the church because of a Christian. Some people have a bad view of Christ because of a Christian. We've painted Jesus in an improper light. And Timothy wasn't to do those things. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. Jesus made this plain to us that by appealing of Christ Jesus our Savior, he broke the power over death and illuminated the way of life through the good news. What is the good news? It's the gospel. If I fail in anything in life, my marriage, my kids, my job, if, if I struggle in anything in life, it is Christ come and help me and let my dependency be on you. Or if I have succeeded in anything in life, whether it be my marriage or my kids. And my dad would tell you this. The only reason that I'm in the ministry is by the grace of God. The only reason that, that, that we're doing things is by the grace of God. It is Christ that is to be worshipped and displayed. I know a guy, he's, he's 
85 years old. Every time I talk to him, after every sentence, he's, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. To, to God be the glory. Great things he has done. It's a confession of Christ. I stumbled here, but through Christ, I will be glorified. And he will work through this weakness. It was interesting the other day. Bethany had a group of piano students over at our house. And that many kids come over to our home. Just pray for me because it gets nerve-wracking. I don't know what to do with all these little kids. They just run. And they make weird noises and out of weird places. Back in college, <clears throat> Bethany had a recital. Long story short, she failed. She got through it, but she made some mistakes. By the world standards, she failed. We were in the kitchen because she shared the story with her kids. One of her students had, just didn't want to play in front of the rest of the students. And I said to her as they left, after I praised Jesus, they were gone. I said, isn't it interesting if you could talk to yourself back at that day and say, someday you'll have a piano studio and a bunch of kids will look to you and they'll wonder why they can't perform in front of other people or they're scared to do it. And you'll tell them because of a failure that you had and Christ working through you, you were able to help them in a way that they couldn't help themselves. Isn't that amazing? That was amazing that God uses our failures so that he will be glorified. Isn't that amazing? That even in the midst of trial and tribulation and problem, God works through that. And it's all for his glory. It's, it's amazing. Confess Christ constantly whether you're struggling or whether you're doing well. A mom put her son on her lap and spoke to her son about the importance of trusting Jesus Christ as her Savior. Moms, pay attention to this, especially those who have just dedicated your children. The boy said, Mom, I'd like to do it, but the boys, they'll laugh at me. Love this. The mom looked at her and said, Remember, they may laugh you into hell, but they can never laugh you out of it. See, people are going to sneer and ridicule and not understand the confession of Christ or why we glorify Him for things. But after all, His approval is all that matters. Look what Matthew chapter 10 says. Whoever acknowledges me before men, praises me, confesses me before men, I will also acknowledge Him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I'm going to disown Him before my Heavenly Father. I don't want to be in a place... Or I don't give God the glory and the credit. Part of pursuing holiness is clinging to the Holy One of God and confessing Him every chance we get. Have you done that? Are you doing that? To whom are you doing that with? When and where are you doing that? If you're doing that, keep it up because it brings honor to the King. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, or verse 14. Okay, Timothy, man of God, to keep the commandment unsustained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to come back again soon and all God's people said, yeah, please make it soon. Or maybe next year after the Cubs win the World Series. 
For which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 16. Who alone has immortality? Who dwells in unapproachable light? Whom no one has ever seen or can see. Love this underline in your text. To him, Jesus Christ, be the honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Oh, I like that passage. He says, how do I know God's will? You know God's will. You confess and you believe. You pursue that which is holy. You fight the good faith. Or fight the good fight, not the good faith. Fight the good fight from the faith that you have received. Confessing him in all things, weaknesses and victories, which brings honor and glory to the king. This is the affirmation of the will of God right here in Timothy. Paul stressed that God will bring about Christ's appearance in his time. It is not for man to know the day or hour when Christ is coming. Although some people have written books about it. You can read about them and how they fail. Therefore, young Timothy was to honor Christ three ways. One, who is the ultimate ruler of the universe. Two, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And three, the eternal one who dwells where no man can survive or approach or even see. We praise God not because he needs our praise. Because all glory resides in and on him. But in order to see him more clearly. Enlarge our souls. And live in our spirits. The pursuit of holiness. The fight for the gospel. And the constant confession of Christ. Deserve the honor and glory. Let me give you just two more verses and I'll let you go. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. Do you do those things? Just think about it. Do you do all things for the glory of God? Do you do all things for the glory of God? Second verse. Now to is him who is able to immeasurably more and we ask for a mention. According to his power, Christ's power, that is at work within us. When we confess and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, his power comes in us. There's a song out on the radio, I love it. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in me. Crazy. Also crazy that a new worship song would be theologically correct, but that is a whole other ballgame. Anyway. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in me. That's the Holy Spirit who is able. To him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's a powerful passage of scripture. Let me ask you a simple question. Are you doing these things? I need help doing them too. Waking up in the morning and saying, God, may you get the honor and glory for everything that happens today. And may I be dependable on you in all things. Oh, man. What a tough prayer to pray. There once was a sign on the door. This happens a lot. Bringing businesses go up and down, up and down. And it said, Going out, or gone out of business. They didn't even know what the business was. They didn't even know they were in business. 
do you know what your business is in this world? The will of God. You are called, Matthew 28, to go therefore make disciples of all men. Pursuing holiness. Being like Christ. Not just in your homes, with your families, with your kids, but in your workplaces. In your communities, when you go out for pizza on a Friday night. Or if you're in the presence of other people on a Saturday. People are watching and what's crazy is, I, I was thankful for this, I told Bethany this the other day, I'm so thankful that I lived or, or grew up in a time where people couldn't take pictures of my childhood. Praise the Lord. Because now you have these social media things where you'll see all these things. I was so devastated. I was on social media the other day, a guy who I really respect was out with just a whole different crowd. And I wanted to think good things, but the picture that was painted there was the earth was taken over. I was devastated. I prayed right there. I said, God, make him a lighthouse for those people not be overtaken by them. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and God get the glory of great things he has done. Pursue him with everything that you have. Your business is to go therefore and make disciples do it. You'll never regret it. You'll experience a peace and joy that you, you, even in the midst of trials that you didn't even know was imaginable or existed. Live it out. When opposition comes, fight the good fight. Point back to the gospel which you have received. Make sure that people know that it is Christ that lives in you and nothing else. And may God give you the honor to see that it is worth it because he is worthy. And may you see this week the affirmation of God the Father who gave us his son Jesus. Who died on the cross for our sins when you do those hard things. Let's pray. Father God. To you be the glory, great things you have done. Lord Jesus, help us, me, individually, as well as our church, be a body of believers who runs after you in your arms, who pursues that protection. Lord God, we want to be men and women who fight for the gospel. Those people who are here, who are stuck, who are stuck in problems, having marriages or kids or just issues, everybody has an issue. Help them to look at that issue and realize that you're in it and you want to work with them through it. Help them to pursue you and how to bring honor and glory to you through every situation and circumstance that they face. May they run to holiness so that they'll be set apart from the rest of the world in the fight against evil. May they proclaim the gospel. And may they give you the honor and glory that you deserve. You've already won. You've already won, God. May we honor you. And may you look at us this week and all that we do. And may you find us faithful. 
your sons, your daughter, your servants. May you look at us and say, job well done. Help us, God, through your power, through your spirit, to do a job well done. May you get the victory and the glory. We honor you, we love you, we praise you. We thank you for Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. His blood was shed for our transgressions. And we love the fact that you call us sons and daughters when we confess and believe in you. If you've never made the decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's not a religion, it's a relationship with God. Trust Christ today. Don't you walk out those doors without a relationship with Jesus. He desperately wants you. He desperately wants to be in your life. He desperately wants to be in all things. Are you tired of running on your own fuel? Or maybe you're out of gas. God comes to us when we're at the bottom. God comes to the lowly. He comes to the weak, the tired. And he says, I'll be there for you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. If you trust in me. Trust Christ today. Lean upon him in all things. And may he get the honor and glory. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together, church. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.